That's what we're talking about. Good morning, everybody. Talking about trust and obeying. Speaking of trust and obeying, two people trusted and obeyed Jesus in their first steps as they became followers of Christ. I got to actually be witness to both of those. One, I got to see some guys share their faith at a baseball game. I went to the Rays Red Sox game. Of course, timed it the wrong way again. Bought tickets for Friday night. My my team won Saturday night. Anyway, but it wasn't a complete loss because a brother that we were with came to Christ and another young lady put her faith in Jesus last night uh, as we were at church, so it was pretty cool. How's everybody doing? If you got your Bibles, let's open them to Acts chapter 27 as we continue on talking about trusting and obeying. I just want to say that little video you just saw was created by one of our very own. We have some very talented people here in our church who volunteer, so I just want to thank all of our volunteers in the various areas of ministry for all that they do, and we're just blessed as a church, amen, to have so many talented people. But uh, we're talking about trusting and obeying. Um, I'm under the weather. I got a little something in my throat, so if I cough a lot this morning, welcome to the germ fest. I hope you don't catch it. Uh, But we are going to talk about trusting and obeying God, uh, and that's pretty much every church service you've ever been a part of. So let's hit that hard and heavy today, and I'll do it after I get done praying. Let's pray. Hey, God, thanks so much for a chance to open your word, and as we do so, uh, we expect uh, for you to uh, speak to us and, and for us to change. I expect that, God. I pray that's everybody else's prayer here this morning as well. Uh, we don't want to come to your word and, and leave it, you know, uh, having gotten nothing. So teach us about trusting you. Teach us about following you even further than we have before, uh, especially when the storms of life come. Uh, get me out of the way and speak in my place, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I was on my way to a very uh, interesting experience yesterday morning. woke up at 4 so I could go and be a part of it. It's not on my bucket list, but uh, it would have been still cool. I was going to go up in a hot air balloon. Has anybody ever done that? Uh, they, uh, they have, the I guess, weekends, festivals where you could go do this. And one of the couples in our church, uh, just hang on. So much better. One of the couples in our church decided that they wanted to have their vows uh, or their marriage vows renewed. And they thought this would be a cool way to do it. And they asked me to do it. And I was like, I'm in. I was in, like really in, until they handed me the waiver. You can die in these things. Did you know that? Like, you've got to basically say, you know, if I die, you're not responsible. But they totally are. It's their balloon, right? Come on. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I got over that and got in the car and started driving out to the, to the site where we were supposed to, you know, get our briefing and then get in this balloon. It's going to be a sun. It's going to be beautiful. Pull up to the place where the balloons are. And uh, the, the security guard who's supposed to help us get parked uh, stops us uh, and gives us the bad news. Now, the bad news was that there's a huge storm. Uh, heading our way, and it was not going to be the best to have, you know, a balloon in the air uh, as storms came in. And, and initially, I, you know, I was disappointed. I know my friends were really disappointed. Uh, but then, then it quickly got to the point, hey, if you can spare me the storm uh, and, and me being in one in a balloon, I'm totally cool with that. Let's go to breakfast, right? That's, that's kind of where I, I ended up. But here's what I, here's what I kind of gleaned from that. Uh, there, there's storms. In life, there's storms, Right? They're coming. If you're not in one right now, you've probably just left one, you know, whatever the situation was. Uh, and if, it has been, if it's been a while, God bless you. Your grace is, is a, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. His grace on you is an amazing thing. But, but storms are coming. It's just part of humanity. In a broken world, storms come. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I'm in my storms, I feel like a hot air balloon. I feel, you can't steer those things. I feel like I'm being tossed about. 
blown around. Uh, the circumstances could seem over, overwhelming, insurmountable. And, and I, you know, I, sometimes I just get lost in the storms. I feel like, you know, this could be the end. And some of them, that, that's just how they feel. So we're going to talk about storms this morning. We're going to actually talk uh, in the scriptures about a, sp- a specific storm that a guy named Paul survived and how God, God got him and his friends through that. But I want to kind of just start with us understanding the origin of storms. Everybody get your hands ready because you're going to use them. Uh, how, how do storms form in our lives? Usually there's, there's, there's three specific ways that they happen. Everybody take your thumbs out like this and say, storms come in my life. And everybody say this, from this guy or this gal. That's right. Yeah, this is the origin, or, or, origination point for the storms in my life. You just, we just make bad decisions. Come on, anybody human out there? You just make bad choices. I have a friend in Illinois. I was there this past weekend. Thanks, Tom, for preaching and doing a great job. But I was, uh, I was celebrating my sister's 25th wedding anniversary. We were there this past weekend in, in Illinois and got to see one of my buddies in high school. Uh, he told me, you know how I always get up here and tell you stories about my failures so you can feel better about you, right? Well, he, he did that for me. He, he, uh, he, he basically uh, borrowed a, a, a trailer from his business. He's, he's a, a muckety-muck, a high up in one of the, uh, uh, an agro business there in Illinois. Uh, but he took the company's trailer and he wanted to use it to move one of his family members uh, and, and hitched it onto his company truck and, and was on the way to the moving job. And he remembered that he needed to get some cash. And when he remembered that he needed to get some cash, he forgot that he was pulling a trailer. And he went through the ATM at his bank, <laughs> which was about two feet. Uh, the, the roof of the ATM area was two feet lower than his trailer. Can everybody see where this is going? So great. I love that someone else made a boo-boo. Uh, but he had to go back to work on Monday and explain to his boss uh, how the free trailer was now going to cost him a couple grand to repair. And then he had to go to the bank manager on, on uh, you know, Monday and explain, hey, you know, that footage you have of a guy pulling a trailer through your ATM uh, and, and wrecking your roof, that was me. So, so the free trailer turned into a couple thousand dollars of uh, repairs, and, and I feel much better about me. I hope you do uh, about you. Uh, but that doesn't take away the fact that everybody of us, you know, every one of us has a story like that. We just, and, and, and you know, sometimes we're just mistakes that we forget. But sometimes, listen, we're volitional. We, we like make intentional bad choices. We know the consequences. Uh, we've, we've, you know, count the costs. And we're like, yeah, I'm doing this. And, uh, and we made our bed. Now we've got to lie in it. And that's where the storms come. Everybody take your fingers like this. <laughs> uh, the storms come in my life. Uh, from you guys, and everybody pointed someone else around you. Maybe they're in your row, all right? But sometimes storms come from this guy, but a lot of times storms come from you guys. Thanks a lot, right? I've always said my job would be easy if it wasn't for the people. Who's ever said that about their job, right? It'd be so easy to be a pastor if you didn't have to pastor people. <sighs> Think about it. It's true. Sheep bite. Did you know that? Sheep bite. Some of you guys have been like, just making fangs. I don't know what you've been doing. Anyway, oh. but, but it's just, I mean, people, people mess up around us, and it affects how our lives go. I mean, who's not had that? A, a boss at work who has a power trip, and, and, and he just takes it out on you all the time. A, a spouse who just can't uh, seem to get over themselves and see that this is a, a servant relationship. And, or, or, a, or a kid who just, you know, constantly uh, defies and, 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 and this, just, I mean, there's so many people in our lives, their choices just can, you know, bring the storm. And it's so frustrating. I talked with a husband last night. His wife is just off the ranch. She, she's, she's a, a, oh, here we go. Perfect. 
Thank you, Lord. For those of you who didn't make it to church, it's raining here in Brandon. Yeah, the, 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 you know, the sky's coming up to me last night in the corner, and he's just like, hey, man, uh, I don't know what to do. And, and what do you say to a guy in that situation? I don't know. Here's what you do. You take care of you because you can't change her, but then you just wait, and you live in the storm. Now, here's the last one. Everybody take your hands like this. Sometimes storms happen, and we're just like, I don't know. Anybody? Like, I can't point to me. It wasn't me. I can't point to you. It wasn't you. It's was just, I don't know. It just happened. These are the tough ones, right? Because as humans, we want to draw the lines. We want to know from whence things came and why things happen. And, and when storms come uh, like they are now, wow. <laughs> when storms come that we can't explain, those are the toughest ones. I started preaching this a couple weeks ago, talking about trusting and obeying. And, of, of course... You know, the next morning something was going to happen where we had to practice what we were preaching. Family in our church that uh, I love, I know them, I've done life with them. Uh, they lost their 10-year-old boy two Sunday nights ago. They put him to bed, he was fine, they woke up and he was gone, he was with Jesus. And uh, just so you know, if you're ever in those situations, don't try to connect the dots. You don't know. You don't know. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. I'm not God. I don't know his thoughts. I don't understand why these things go on. A little later in the day, you know, one of our families that serves faithfully around here, they lost their daughter. She was 32. And we mourn with you if you're sitting here this morning. You're in those families. We mourn. We, but I, I'll tell you as your pastor, looks like I've been telling you all along. I, I don't know why that stuff happens. Best thing to do in those situations is just sit down and love that person. Just be ready however they need you. But don't try to explain stuff because you can't. But isn't that frustrating? Come on, Anybody? I mean, I know people who have tapped out on God for, forever because something happened that they couldn't explain and, and they, they just couldn't get past it. Here's what I do know. I may not understand why some things happen. I may not understand why you make storms in my life. I may not even understand why I made the Anybody gone back in your decisions and been like, why did I do that? What possessed me to do that? I may not understand all the origins of the storms, but I know they're here. I think a lot of times people are more concerned with why storms are happening. I've learned to ask who, not why, who. Storms are coming. Who am I going to look to? Who's going to help me through this one? Is it going to be me? I got me into it. Is it going to be you? You got me into it. No, I'm going to look to the one who is in the storm. He may not keep the storms from happening, but he promises in his word that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. I'm, I'm looking to him. And his sovereignty and his power and his deliverance in my storm. Just as a, a brief aside here, did you know a lot of the qualities that God wants for us in our lives are impossible without the storm? Like just go to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, and patience. We'll just take those first four. Did you know that those things are impossible except that we have the storm? Like somebody like love, come on, Mark, I can love people just fine when it's not storming out. Oh, not, not the kind of love that God's talking about. That word love there is the Greek word agape. That's unconditional love. Most humans are great at conditional love. I'll love you right up until the storm starts. I'll love you right up until things are, are hard or you're, you're not loving me, but at, you know, after that, I'm done. But God, that's not the love that God calls us to. He calls us to unconditional love. The love anyway love. The love in the storm love. Even when you don't love me back, God says, I'm going to love you. 
And that's the love he wants for us. You can't learn agape love apart from the storm. You can't learn joy apart from the storm. You know what joy is. Joy is contentment despite your circumstances. It's happiness even though. And happiness is happiness. And most people are happy because things are good. But to be happy or joyful, to have a contentment, like, Peter, like, like Paul, when he wrote those letters to the Philippians, he was just like, I'm so full of joy, 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 joy. Where was he writing from? Prison. That's a storm. And you can't understand joy without the storm. You can't, peace, come on. You can't understand peace without the storm. Peace is what you experience in the midst of your storm. Patience, get out of here. There's no way you can understand patience except that storms come that you must persevere through, right? Now, I'm not saying I like storms, but I'm grateful for them when I step back from them and I understand that God is with me in them and he's got much to teach me from them. Are you with me? So we'll keep talking about storms. We're going to talk about it today. (laughs) But I want us to understand that even when the storms come, we still need to trust God. In fact, more than any other times, probably, we need to trust and obey in the storms of our lives. You want to look at a storm in Scripture with me? That was a question. Okay, good. I'm going to preach to you then. The rest of you, you can go home, but I'm going to talk to you. You ready? Here's what I want you to know. Sometimes we trust other sources more than God. When the storms come, sometimes we trust other sources more than God. Not just in the storms, I think just in life in general. But isn't this true? When storms come, sometimes we trust more uh, other sources more than God. There's a particular storm in, in Paul's life. We're in Acts chapter 27. It's near the end of the book of Acts. Uh, and it says, since much time had passed. So let me just kind of briefly uh, get you up to speed where we are in the story. Uh, Paul becomes a, the major player in the book of Acts after around chapter 14. Uh, and, and, and his story kind of uh, propels through all the planting of the early churches, his three missionary journeys. And then he has one last journey. It's to his, his, uh, his trial in Rome, uh, which he is uh, having to go to because he gets arrested in Acts chapter 21. In Acts chapter 21, uh, he is you know, brought before his, fir- his first trial, and he keeps appealing basically up to the highest courts. And uh, he spends you know, a few years doing this. <clears throat> and he's always wanted to go to Rome. He just never thought he'd be going to Rome as a prisoner. Uh, but that's how it's going to work out. He uh, hangs out in a place called Caesarea and, uh, on the coast of Israel for about two years. And then finally, it's time for him to be shipped to Rome. And so his centurion, a guy named Julius, I'm basically summarizing the first eight verses of Acts chapter 27. If you want to read them with me, you can. But basically, they determine we're going to start sailing towards Rome. And so they take the first couple months of their journey. They kind of sail up the coast of Israel and Turkey. And they get near Greek and then, or Greek, they get near Greece. And they decide that they're going to start cutting across the Mediterranean. Well, this is not the time to be sailing across the Mediterranean. It's gotten too late in the sailing season. The winds have changed. And so that's where we find ourselves. Since much time has passed, the voyage was now dangerous due to the wind situation because even the, it says here even the fast was already over. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Jewish feasts and customs uh, that are you know, prevalent in the Bible, when it says the fast, capital F, fast, it's referring to the Day of Atonement. We know it as Yom Kippur in today's understanding of the Jewish faith. And it's, it's one of the only times in the Jewish uh, religion that you are required as a Jew to fast. And so this, this, this happens every fall, uh, you know, early fall in the Jewish faith. And on this particular, because they can go back and, you know, test the solstices and all this stuff that are, you know, part of these, these new moons and things like that. This was October 5th uh, in the year that Paul 
uh, was a prisoner. So it's, it's after October 5th. What's that, all you need to know about that is that in the fall, in the Mediterranean, the winds change. Got it? So Paul comes to these guys in the middle of this changing tide, and he says to them, <coughs> excuse me, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with uh, much injury and much uh, loss, not only of the cargo, uh, but of the ship and also of our lives. Now, it doesn't say what prompted Paul to say this. Some scholars believe it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, some people think that, you know, Paul's been sailing a lot. He's had three journeys already. He's familiar with the trends here in the Mediterranean, so he's just speaking from experience. But whatever the case is, God, in his, you know, sovereign will, has decided to, uh, you know, prompt Paul to say these things. And uh, and so he goes to the centurion and says, hey, man, sailing, bad idea. We should not be doing this because everything's going to be lost. But look what the centurion does. He does what you and I would do. The centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. I got to the end of reading that, and I was like, yeah, no duh, right? Because who am I going to listen to? The prisoner that's, you know, shackled in chains, you know, that's, uh, being, you know, held you know, or, or guarded by a couple soldiers? Or am I going to go to the captain of the ship, the guy who's been sailing the Mediterranean his whole life? Am I going to go to the owner of the ship whose uh, best interests are, are met by, by making sure this cargo makes it to Rome? Am, am I going to consult with that? Yeah, so, so I picture the centurion, this guy named Julius, saying to Paul, hey, I'm going to go talk to the grown-ups now. You sit out. And together with all these, you know, uh, uh, you know, wiser men, they make this determination they're going to sail. And because the harbor was not suitable, this is just trying to let you know what's going on in the story. They spend the winter, and uh, the majority decided to put out to sea from there and the chance that somehow they could reach this place called Phoenix, not Arizona. There's no ports in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, uh, but Phoenix Crete, a harbor of Crete facing both uh, southwest and northwest, and they spend the winter there. So, so here's the deal. We want to make it all the way to Italy, but if we can't make it to Italy, at least we could get... St- just get going uh, from where we are in Crete to this other port in Crete called Phoenix. And we'll just hang out there. You know, like, they, like they even, they said, yes, we're going to sail, but we'll have a plan B. We've got an escape plan. If we can't make it all the way to Rome because the winds are bad, at least we'll get to a better port and we'll hang out there. And sometimes when it comes to the decisions in life, uh, the, the, the times preceding our storms, it, it's because we've just failed to, to, to hear the voice of God and we've chosen to listen to other sources as our wisdom. I know I do that all the time. Does anybody have this like self-speak going on in your head? You know, it's like maybe the, the angel and, and the devil, uh, you know, in the cartoons. Remember that? Got to be old enough to remember those. But, uh, uh, but you know, you're, you're having this conversation back and forth and you can sense that God is saying this, sense that God is leading this, but you're like, no, here's why you're doing this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be better if you do it your way, right? And some of you take the Facebook and you're like, hey, I'm thinking this and if you get the wrong person responding, all of a sudden, you know, you're heading even further into the dark. You know what I'm talking about? The blind leading the blind. You with me? And we let ourselves be talked into by ourselves or by other people into all these horrible decisions and we fail to respond to the voice of God. When we do that, <laughs> when we trust other sources more than God, uh, when we trust uh, anything more than God, things eventually go bad. Agreed? You know, uh, if, 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 you, if you don't even believe in God yet, if, if God is real and he is sovereign and he has a perfect plan and we step outside of it, it may, it may go okay for a while, but eventually anything outside of perfection is going to be imperfection. It's going to be bad. Look what happened with these guys. Now when the south wind blew gently, 
There's our sign. We've got a wind that's going to guide us straight from the south up to the north, up to, up to, you know, from where he is in Crete, up to Italy. It's perfect. Let's go. So they saw that as a sign affirming their bad decision, uh, and they, they supposed that they had obtained their purpose. They, they, they weighed anchor, and they sailed along Crete uh, close to the shore. They were along the south side of Crete, and they're kind of just getting ready to bust out into the open water of the Mediterranean. But as soon as they get sailing, what happened to the wind? changed just like paul said in fact it really changed it wasn't a gentle wind anymore it was a tempestuous wind that's a greek word that means nasty <laughs> and it called it was called a northeaster i used to live up in in boston and maine and, and they have nor'easter stri- strike up there those kinds of storms it was a a wind that was basically coming out of the out of the north and the east and it was blowing everything towards africa in the Mediterranean, and it struck down on the land. Uh, and, and, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Uh, these ships back in those days were essentially the hot air balloons of the sea. I mean, they, they, they'd figured out some things about sailing, but they couldn't tack. They didn't have motors. They didn't even have rudders. They had to steer these things with big, huge paddles. Now, all this technology came later. And so if the winds changed, guess what? You were going wherever the wind was going. And that's why it says they were driven along. Anybody ever been there in life? You made a bad choice. You made your bed, now you're kind of lying in it. Right? And, and you're going wherever it's going. That, that's what's so you know, crazy to me. My, my, you know, I did this when I was a kid. My kids do this, you know, or have done this. They're, they're getting a little bit older now. But isn't it funny? You tell the first lie, you've got to tell 12 more lies after the first lie to keep the lie going. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Isn't that the way sin is? You start it, you got to keep going. i got to keep making stuff up so that that first lie stays intact. And you're just driven along by your bad choices. Third thing. When things go bad, we do what we can. When things go bad, we do what we can. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Everybody knows how frail we are, right? How feeble our attempts in life are. I always, I'm always amazed at people who think that they got it all together. I just laugh. I mean, I don't laugh in their faces. But I laugh under my breath when I meet to someone who's like, I got this down. I got it. Because they just have no clue how, they, how much they don't got it. I mean, you may be more put together than me, have more in the bank and all those kinds of things. But you, man, you are human. And you do not have it going on. And so here's what happens. Some storms, listen, I'm not saying that some storms you can't wiggle yourself out of. You know, referring to those lies earlier, everybody's got, unfortunately, lies in their lives that they told lies about and they still haven't been found out in their life. I encourage you to be honest about those things. But I'm not saying in our own, uh, you know, wisdom or in our own measures that we can't compensate for some of our storms. I'm not saying that. But there are some storms. Come on. There are some storms where you do everything you know to do and it still isn't getting any better. Anybody been in that hospital where the doctor comes out and says, we've done everything we can? Yeah, that's, that's basically what happens on the boat. All these guys who have been subjected to this poor decision and find themselves in the storm, they're doing everything they can to make this thing work. It says running under the lee of a small island. It basically says just running under the protection of an island uh, they had like this brief respite where the wind wasn't as strong. It says that we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat 
Uh, the ship, something like, what's the ship's boat? And the ship, the boat? No, the ship's boat is the lifeboat, and they would usually drag that behind them. And so one of the first things so that you didn't have these, you know, multiple pullings on the boat is that you'd get that one thing that's dangling out in the water, and you'd put it on the deck of the ship uh, so that it wasn't messing with your sailing. So that's the first thing. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. And then uh, th- that basically means they took ropes, and they either wrapped them, I don't know how they did it, but they wrapped them underneath the water and, and, and brought them up on the other side of the hull of the boat, and then they tied it down so that the boards in the boat would have an, an added strength and not fall apart if they ran into rocks. It's like putting a, a girdle on a boat. It's a boat girdle. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it says, uh, 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 they, that then fearing, verse 17, then fearing that they would run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Um, Sirtis was this uh, sandbar just off the coast of northeastern Africa. And, and they knew that this wind was blowing them in that direction. And so someone had the wisdom to be like, hey, we don't want to head to Sirtis. This thing's going to bust up. And so we need to drop these anchors off the back of our boat so that when the trough of the waves, which were probably 20 to 30 feet, when we got down in the bottom of the trough and the water was at its shallowest, these anchors would hit things and slow us down in our process, uh, you know, to heading towards uh, this place called Sirtis. It says, uh, verse 18, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began (coughs) uh, the next day to jettison the cargo. Uh, This was a grain ship. If you had read, you know, if I had read the verses preceding, you know this was a grain ship out of Alexandria, which was Egypt. Uh, Egypt was Rome's breadbasket. And so this was a huge grain ship that basically the centurion had said, hey, we're coming with you. And and, and so they weren't tossing the grain. That comes later. We're not going to get to it, but that comes later. They're actually going to dump the grain. But this is, this is them taking everything that wasn't the grain and that wasn't the people, and they're throwing it overboard. So, you know, uh, Pat, if you brought a, a carry-on, it's going over. You, I don't know if you brought a change of clothes, but you don't have it anymore. Because anything that's going to add weight to this ship and make it more difficult for us to steer her is out. Only the bare essentials were kept. In fact, the next day, uh, the third day, they, were, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Some of you are like, why'd they do that? Sailors are like throwing all of their... You know, every, all the, this was the extra tackle. This would be like you taking the jack out of your car and being like, it's too much weight, and throwing the jack out of your car. It's all the extra stuff that they would, their tools, everything they would use to fix the boat. They just get rid of anything that wasn't mission crucial. There's a lot of stuff. Everybody, like Luke's being very descriptive here. He goes on and he says this, verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. All right, time out. If you're a sailor on the Mediterranean 2,000 years ago, and you can't see the sun or the stars, what's broken on your ship? The GPS. Okay? You don't know where you are. That's how they navigated. They'd figure out east by looking at the sun. They'd figure out in the night, you know, where's the north star? That's how they navigated. But for many days, the sun never shined. The stars never came out. They've gotten rid of everything that they know to get rid of, and they still have no clue as to how to get out of this storm. Been there? Who's been there? Done everything you can, and the sun's sun's not shining. The stars aren't out. I don't know what to do next. It's a hopeless place. It says, no small tempest was still upon them. He's basically saying, it's still nasty. And the hope of our being saved was at last what? Yeah. 
Uh, I've never been diagnosed with depression. It runs in my family. But there's been some days in my life, well, that's how I feel. I've done everything I know to do. Uh, the situation isn't changing. And I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to face the day. If this is how life's going to be, no thanks. That's a tough spot. You been there? That's a hard thing to go through. Hopelessness. I mean, it's hard to even get going. If you've gotten to the point of despair, it's hard to even get going. It's no joke, man. And that's where these guys are. And how did they get there? Because they started there? No, they did everything that they needed to do, everything in their power. And it still hadn't changed their circumstances. If, if you don't hear anything else I say here this morning about storms, just know that ultimately, some of the storms you face, you are powerless to change. You, you may be able to wiggle out of some of them, but there are going to be things in your life where apart from the grace of God, you're going to lose hope. But here's the good news. Who likes it when I get to the good news part of the sermon? Does anybody like that? Here's the good news. In your storm, there is a God who loves you, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything you and I could ask or think. He is there, an ever-present source of help in a time of trouble. And he wants to help you through your storms. He may not take them away. Keep praying for that, but he may say, no, we got things to learn, but I'm going to walk you through this. And we're going to make it out on the other side. And that's what happens next. When we come to our end, God can come to our rescue. He's just waiting for most of us just to wear out. Quit tossing the cargo and the tackle over. Quit, quit looking to the heavens. The sun and the stars aren't coming. Start looking for me. And then we can take care of this and make it through. Look at what happens. Paul, in the midst of this huge storm, decides it's time for a speech. Since they had been without food for a long time. Anybody ever gotten off like the uh, Shikra over there, uh, you know, and, and not felt like eating? Okay, these guys have been on the equivalent of the Shikra for 10 days, something like that, and nobody's eaten. And just, this isn't like a, you know, a huge point of the message, but uh, physically, uh, if you don't take care of yourself emotionally and all, the, uh, you know, spiritually, a lot of the things that are going on in life can be exacerbated. Isn't that true? Like when my son hasn't eaten, I don't talk to him. Get something in your belly, and then we'll figure this out. Yeah, so, so Paul's going to get up and he's going to address their physical needs as he's talking about their spiritual and emotional needs as well. He says, since they've been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them, and he's going to basically end by saying, let's eat. <clears throat> but he starts with this, and I think this is uh, every woman's life verse in here. It goes like this. Men, you should have listened to me. Right? Isn't that your life verse, ladies? Right? Yeah. I've heard that before. All right. Uh, Men, you should have listened to me. And not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. This is Paul's nana nana boo boo. This is his I told you so. Isn't that what it looks like? Hey, fellas, y'all should have been paying attention back there in Crete. We could have, we could have spared ourselves this mess. And what was, was, was his whole intent to you know, show that you know, I'm smarter than you, I'm better than No. Here's what's happening. He's not trying to do any of that. He's just trying to say, hey, listen, uh, I know I'm, I'm a prisoner I'm just a passenger on this ship. I'm not one of the sailors. But I did uh, have, have a forethought, a, an understanding. I foreknew that this was going to happen. And because I knew that, maybe you'll just listen to me now. He's trying to win an audience. He's trying to give people a reason to, to, to heed what he says. 
He goes on and he says this, yet now. All right, if you've got a Bible, that seems like not a whole lot, but that is huge. Here's what Paul does a lot in his writings. He gives you the bad news. You and I have done this. We were lost. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's Ephesians chapter 2. And then he says this phrase. In some of your translations, it's but now. I told you there's some great buts in the Bible, and Paul's the author of a lot of them. And this is one of the great buts in the Bible. He says, man, everything is lost. We, have, we shouldn't have gone here. Everything is wrong up to this point. But now things are going to be different. You know, when I pray for you as my church, I don't use these words or this phrase, but this is what I'm praying. I'm praying for the but now moments in your life. That you would have a but now moment. That whatever you're going through, you would have this breakthrough, this voice, this word from God that says, hey man, I know it's been snotty and terrible up to this point, but now things are going to be different. But now we're going to head out of this storm. And I'm going to walk you through. Paul says, hey, man, yet now I urge you, and he says these words, to take heart. It's actually the Greek word that we translate in most of our scriptures as have courage. And this is something you need to understand. You can't change your circumstances a lot of times, but you can control your courage. You can decide to have it or not. You can't manipulate, uh, you know, weather and matter and people, but you can handle up on how you handle up on He says, hey, man, have some courage. And then he speaks prophetically. He says, for there will be no loss of life among you. And then he says this, but the ship's going down. Now, there's this this, uh, theology out there that says uh, Christians get a free skate. You've heard me preach this before. I don't believe that's true at all. I don't think that's God's intent at all, that Christians just have everything they want. And if you were holy enough and faithful enough, you'd have everything you want. I don't believe that at all. Because I believe that God, uh, in his divine wisdom, in his sovereignty, appoints the storms. I believe that God has a way out for us, but it's not always going to work out like we thought. And sometimes we're going to lose the ship. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. He says, for this very night, uh, there stood before me an angel of God, uh, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. He has to add those qualifiers because everybody's talking to are not Christian. They don't believe in this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he says, listen, my God has told me this. He says, through an angel, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. You're making it to Rome. It's part of my overall plan. I'm sure you weren't expecting this as part of the journey, but you're getting to Rome. And then he says this to his friends on the boat. He says, listen, not only am I getting to Rome, but he's granted that all these who sail with me are going to make it too. We're all making it to Rome. God said so. So that's what he says next. So take heart. Have courage, men. For I have faith in my God that will be exactly as I have been told. Now they got a choice to believe this or not. Just like you and I in the midst of our storms, we have a choice to believe what we're going to believe. And if we believe in God, we can choose that. Or if we don't, that's, that's our choice too. And so at the end of all of our, you know, uh, uh, you know, doing what we can and, and, and exhausting all of our physical and, and financial and, and emotional means. <clears throat> we, we, we have to come to this choice. Do I believe that God's got me or not? And my prayer for all of us is that we would trust in the God 
the storm. <sighs> Our rescue will always require, as we finish up here, trust and obedience. Our rescue will always require trust and obedience. Look what happens. The first thing, he reiterates this after saying it earlier. He says, uh, you gotta, we're going to have to get rid of this boat. Look what he says. He says, but we must run aground on, on, some, on an island. The boat's going to be gone. Now, then put yourself on the boat. What's the one thing that's kept you alive the last 10 days of this storm? This hunk of wood called a boat. Uh, I don't know what your boat is, but everybody's got a boat. It could be a relationship with a person. It could be uh, the, the amount of bank you have. Uh, it could be uh, you. You could be your own boat. Uh, but, but here's what God's in the business of doing. He's in the business of taking out everything that is our binky. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> everything that comforts us. Everything that we could run to and make a God instead of him. He's in the business of taking that out of the way so that we trust him and him alone. And so it's no surprise to me that as part of God's message to these men, Paul says, hey, twice, ship ain't going to make it. We're going to run aground. Boat's gone. Because I believe that in our storms, that's one of the main reasons God allows the storm. And so that he can wrestle from us the idols that you and I so easily take for ourselves. And get us into trusting him more fully. You've seen me. We'll do this, right? Here, God, I trust you with all this, but not this. This is your boat. This thing back here, that's your boat. And God says, we've got to get rid of it. Getting through the storm, the storm takes trust and obedience. We've got to trust him and let him take our boat. We've got to trust him and, and, and come to him with tons of prayer. Oh, we've got to pray, 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 pray. Look what happened in the story. When, when the 14th night, two weeks, guys, of Shikra, 14th night had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, which is the mid-Mediterranean. Uh, 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 about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. They, they, took, uh, they took some ropes, and they dropped them down. They did what's called a sounding, and they, they found 20 fathoms, about 120 feet. And a little farther, they took a sounding again, and they found that it was 15 feet, or 15,000. It's about 90 feet. So what's that tell you? What's the math? We're getting close to land, Okay. And since they couldn't steer this thing, land was a problem. So fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern, and they prayed for day to come. Now the four anchors, another sailor measure. Let's try to slow this sucker down. We're heading towards the rocks. But then this is different from what they had done earlier. This is a new addition to the formula. What, what, what's the last thing they did? The sailors, these mighty men of the sea, apparently got on their knees and they prayed and furred here to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I was talking to a lady in the corner the other day, and, or last night, and she came up and told me, oh, Mark, you're preaching at me tonight. I was like, good, I try to preach you every week. But uh, uh, she says, you know, this past week I was at work, and I got caught in the elevator. Uh, you know, anybody got a fear of elevators? This, this lady kind of does. And her worst fear came, you know, she, she's like, I'm stuck in this elevator. I'm alone in an elevator. And so I grabbed that phone and I call, you know, down to the desk. And, I, and she says, Mark, they blew me off. It's like they, they were like, okay. And then that was it. And I was like, hey, I'm stuck in this elevator. And so she's on the phone with her husband. And her husband's like, nothing I can do. You know, way to go, husband, by the way. Anyway, uh, 
But she's starting to panic. She's starting to feel kind of claustrophobic. She's starting to freak out. She's banging on the door, and then it occurs to her. To what? I'm going to pray. Heard about that somewhere. And she bows her head and yells at the ceiling, God, open this door. And she told me, Mark, it was weird. Because the minute I said that, the lights on the panel turned on and the door opened. I was like, it doesn't usually work out like that, but that's cool. (laughs) That is some cool stuff right there. But then you know what she went on to say? She says, Mark, I spent however many minutes it was on the phone with the person at the desk, on my phone with my do stupid husband. And and, uh, I talked to everybody else except the one guy who could do something about this. And then when I finally started praying, the doors opened. Listen, I'm not saying they're going to open like that for you. It'd be cool when they do. But I'm saying when the storms come, you hit your knees, Christian. And you ask God. Now, listen, here's what, what do you ask God for in the storm? Make it stop! End this! I want out! Western Christians pray that all the time. Us, us people, you know, who are used to having everything now, that's what we pray. Make it stop. But what have we talked about storms? Storms are for our good. So I'm all for them stopping, but if they're not going to stop, here's what we pray. Hey, if this isn't going to stop, God, just, just bring the daylight. Bring me something. Show me a sign. Give me an inkling of what this storm is about. Lead me into hope. Isn't that what they prayed for? Look, it says they prayed for it. They prayed, no, that's not what they prayed for. They prayed for day to come. Just let the sun shine. Just give me something so that I know where to go in this storm. That's what we pray for. Pray for deliverance, but if it doesn't come, don't panic. God's still there. Just ask him to give you the next step. Isn't that what it says in the word? That your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever heard that? That's Psalm 119. You know, you know what that means? It, it means we think lights. We think like, you know, spotlights, floodlights. We can see the whole thing. Light up a stadium, you know. Uh, we can see everything. When, when they thought lights back then, they weren't thinking that. Anybody been out in the woods lately? It's dark. And these people lived 2,000 years ago without electricity. So light for them was just enough. When you had a lamp, like one of those, you know, Aladdin, rub it, and the genie comes out. That's, they'd have a little wick coming out of that, like a candle, and you would carry this oil lamp, this, this lamp, right down by your feet, and all you could see in the, in the darkness was the next step of your life, the next step of your journey. No, oh, no snakes, good. No holes, okay. And that's, how you, and that's what God says about his word, his direction, his presence in your life. He's a next step God. I'll give you the next step. We might not end the storm, but I'll give you the next step in it. Follow me. And then no shortcuts is the last thing. <laughs> if you're going to trust and obey God in the storm, you've got to get rid of your boat. You've got to pray, 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 pray. And then you've got to watch for shortcuts. Here's what happens. The sailors were seeking escape. There were some of these guys who were like, hey, man, we're just looking to, to take care of us. And so whenever we get a chance, we're getting off this boat. It's, it's, we're doomed. And so some of the sailors were seeking escape from the ship, and they, they lowered the ship's boat, which is the lifeboat. Wait, pay attention. Points, front row. Uh, they lowered the lifeboat in the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Yeah, we're just going to try to make sure the anchors are set. And they, they snuck the boat over the side so that they could get in the lifeboat and hopefully make it to shore. Paul sees this going on, and he says to Julius the centurion, he says, hey, man, 
unless these men stay in the ship, we're all dead. You can't be saved. I won't be saved. And so the soldiers cut away the ropes. Julius stopped them in their tracks, uh, and they, they let the, the lifeboat go. People read this sometimes. They're like, why did he do that? Wouldn't the lifeboat come in handy if this thing's going down? Well, again, uh, God's into taking away all of our outs, all of our lifeboats, all of our, uh, all of our idols. He's into, he's into crushing those and leaving in the place of those things only himself. Uh, here's why I think this is so important. I'll leave you with this. I think so often in my journey with God, I look for the, the very soonest opportunity that I have to get back to living for myself. Anybody ever heard the term foxhole Christian? There's lots of people who have very spiritual you know, times in their lives, and they usually surround the storms. Like maybe you're here this morning for the first time in a long time. It's because the storms are here, and you're like, i got to get some, i got to shoot up some God. i got to get some God in this thing. And so you're going to come, and you're going to hang out, and you're going to receive this word this morning, be encouraged. You're going to walk out there, and here, God in his infinite grace and mercy is going to send daylight to your situation. And things are going to get better. Isn't that great? Storms don't last forever. Things get better. But here's the temptation of the sinful man that you and I are. Is that as soon as things get better, God goes back to where he was before. We look for the very soonest opportunity that we have to start living for ourselves and, and in ourselves apart from him uh, in almost every storm that we have. And here's my, here, man, here's my mission in this church. We don't stop trusting God when the storms end. We don't stop trusting God in the middle of the storms when things start getting easier and we can handle this ourselves. We follow God until the end, experiencing from him everything that he would have for us in the storms that he allows in us. That's all I wanted to tell you this morning. So if you have a storm, (sighs) I pray that God would teach you to trust and obey him in it. If you're in it right now. If you're not in a storm, it's coming. Get ready. Get better at at, at getting quicker to the things that are going to get you through the storm with your God. Trust Him. Pray to Him. Let go of your boats. And stay with Him through the whole thing so that the lessons He wants to teach can be learned so that you can be ready for the next storm when it comes. Amen? Hey, we're going to do a baptism outside in the rain. It's kind of it's it's kind of a you know it's like a double dip. I don't know what it is, but we're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna baptize some folks out there after I pray. So if you can join us, come out there. We got some cover for people watching, but uh, come and watch some people who made their faith in Christ known, and they want to celebrate it with you. So let me pray. Hey God, thanks so much for your word. Use it in our lives. Walk us through our storms, God, and lead us to trusting and obeying you always. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.